Hallelujah. Well, I'm so glad all of you are here. Our one service, um, you know, coming together to celebrate. Together we worship, together we praise. And it's a very special time, I believe, for our church and for the body of Christ. How many, like I said earlier, have felt this little bubbling of expectation? I could just feel it. And I, I know it's not just to Faith Builders Church. I believe this is happening to the body of Christ, that we are coming out of the ashes. The phoenix is arising. I mean, how supernatural is that for us, right? The phoenix is arising, and we are coming into such a great time that we've been talking about for the last few years of the church of Jesus Christ just arising in this hour. And the Lord gave me a word for you today. Next Sunday, my nephew, in Jesus' name, uh, Nick. Pruitt and Anna and the family will be here, and he's going to preach for you all. So be praying because the family isn't feeling very good, and so if they're not feeling 100%, they can't travel. But let's pray in Jesus' name all as well to get them here. So, so I put a standalone message together, which t ties into the last three weeks or so that I've been ministering the Word of God and the importance of the body of Christ. And if you've missed any of the messages from the past few weeks, I just encourage you to jump online, take a few minutes while you're driving to work or getting ready at home or whatever, and, and just hear the Word of the Lord because I believe it's a prophetic word for Faith Builders Church and for those that God has called to this body. So my message today is called Take Back Your Calling. Take back your calling. And, you know, I believe that even prior to COVID and being, you know, the church and the world and what we went through a year and a half ago, I believe that the church of Jesus laid down our calling even before that. And then what happened was it just got magnified when we were told to stay home and not come together and worship. So this isn't just because of what we've gone through as a nation and a church, but I believe it's the sound of the Spirit saying it's time for the church to arise. It's time for the church to have their voice. And every one of you, like I said last week, have a voice and a sound that only you can have to reach this world for Jesus. And God wants to take what's on the inside of you and begin to stir that up to release it on the outside of you. So as I'm sharing this morning, I'm really not coming just as a pastor, but I'm coming from the heart of a person that's been called by God, and I'm talking to a group of people that are called by God. God is not looking just for the fivefold ministry. In actuality, the fivefold ministry has a limitation on its effect and what we can do in the church of Jesus Christ. We can equip, we can train, we can send out. But when the body becomes the called one sent out, that's when the world begins to change for Jesus. Because it's not just a handful in faith builders that's reaching Phoenix. We've now got 150 people that are going out into the highways and byways, unafraid with the voice of God on the inside of you. So I want to awaken that today. I want to awaken your purpose, your passion, your zeal. What's been laying there dormant for just a little while too long? And God needs to stir that up. Maybe it's a prophetic prayer. Maybe it's a prophetic sound. Maybe it's laying hands on the sick. Maybe it's going to the highways and the byways. I don't know what you're called to do. Maybe it's in your mom's group or on the jobs or in your sphere of influence. God wants your voice to be heard. And the church has to be strong in this hour. I want you to know this morning that as a follower of Jesus, you are called by God. You are chosen by God. You are gifted by the Holy Spirit. And you've been set apart by the Lord for such a time as this. 
God knew that in 2021, uh, what are we, in September 2021, you'd be breathing air. And that means he knew that you could do what God's called you to do on this assignment of the world. And you can face anything that the world or the devil wants to throw your way because you're called for such a time as this. And you have a unique calling in whatever it is, whether it's to businessmen, whatever. It, it doesn't have to be this pulpit ministry. It's not generally. It's other things for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.1, let's get into the word right away. And it says this, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. This is a letter to the church. This is not a letter to a person. This is a letter to the church. You have been called by God. And he's saying, live your life worthy of your calling. Now, in a minute, we're going to talk about worthy, you know, sanctification and getting our life clean with the Lord. But I really believe what he's saying is live a life worthy of his calling. Live a life that says, I'm worthy. I have a part to play in what God is doing in this move and awakening of the Holy Spirit. You have to wake up and go, I'm worthy for whatever it is. I feel insignificant. I feel like I don't have value or worth. But he's telling church, live a life that's worthy. I wake up in the morning and I put on, I have the same earth suit you do. It's a little shorter. It's a little more wild and crazy. A little more loud. But I have the same emotions, the same flesh. I don't always feel worthy to preach the gospel. I don't always feel worthy to lay hands on the sick. There's time God will tell me to stop and pray for someone, which we did a couple weeks ago in the grocery store. This lady walked up, and she was terrified. She just got the vaccine. You know, there's so much about do's and don'ts. And she was mortified. I mean, just tears pulling down her eyes. And she had her newborn baby. And God had me right at that same little, you know, so, so to stand as her. And she just opened up her heart to me. And I said, well, is everything okay? And she started to bawl. And I said, well, guess what? I have Jesus, and I'm going to pray for you, and you're going to be okay. Because he's the God of peace, and he's the God that heals. And you don't have to have any worry about that rotten shot. It don't matter. God's on you, God's in you, and you're okay. See how the devil played fear, put fear in her just in the moment. And so God had me there. I, I could have just had my Coca-Cola checked out, not even minded her. But something inside of me said, I got to look at this girl. And I monitored her body language, and it took one little conversation. See, I'm not talking about going to the mission field and selling off for Jesus. I'm saying you're called. In the grocery store, at the fruit stand, you're called at the gas station. It's being aware of the broken and hurting people around us that just need a little touch of Jesus. The church is not a place we come to. It is, of course. It's a gathering, and we train, and we equip. It's, but that's not what we're about. We are to be the church. The church is not a location. We are the church of Jesus Christ. We have to go and be about the Father's business, amen. We've got to share the goodness and the grace and the mercy that we've been given in our life. We've got to give that same grace and mercy away. And I will tell you, if you really want to be happy, it's not going to be a great vacation. Take a great vacation. Laugh. I've done it. I've had a lot of fun. The greatest joy, though, in my life is when I prayed for someone. I feel like I'm floating in the air like, woo, hallelujah. I floated out of Safeway like... Jesus, and my wings were like, you know, I felt so angelic as my flesh, I know, but I felt good. Why? Because that's what we're called to do. Enjoy the pleasure of the world, enjoy the land, but be about the Father's business. Amen. 
If you remember coming out of our fast in 2020 of January, the Lord gave me a vision of, of a whole row of people, and they had the same jeans on, they had the same white T-shirt, and their heads were stuck in these railings, this railing of a, railings of a stairwell. And they all were stuck in this stairwell, and they all looked the same, just as far as I could see. And I asked the Lord, I said, what is that? What, what are you trying to show me? And the Lord, with a stern voice, said to me, I am tired of copycat Christianity. Why? Because God isn't looking for us to be the same. He's called us all different. And he doesn't want us to look like this squeaky, clean little church. The church and the Bible was messy. And they had big mouths and they got themselves in trouble. But they won a, we a region for Jesus Christ. Church is messy and it's ugly and God will set people in that's different than us. And that's okay. Because we're a bunch of sheep in the same stall. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So in this time that we've gone through, we've been beat down. In this season that the world has gone through, it's wore us down, hasn't it? Now, we're awakening, thank you, Jesus, so I'm not really preaching from this broken place, but I'm talking about a season that we've gone through. Are you physically drained today, right? We're emotionally exhausted. What happens when someone's trying to believe someone in the hospital that's sick and that helpmate is just not sleeping and not eating and not resting? You really can't be fruitful for the kingdom because you're tired. That's what's happened. We're tired. I don't want to hear one more bad news. I don't want to turn on the TV and hear one more bad report. I think everybody should just fast it for a while. Amen. Take a sabbatical from it all. Yeah. Believe me, it'll be there when you come back. Say the same stuff. Maybe different story, but same feeling of fear and discouragement and overwhelming. I took, a, I think, what, three or four days off. I never felt better. I opened it up, one news report, ugh, felt it instantly. So the enemy wants to beat us down, but the biggest thing that he's done in this season is he's spiritually discouraged us. We don't know how to hope. We don't know how to believe again. We don't know how to activate our faith again. What happens when we're discouraged? We lose our confidence, don't we? We lose our confidence. We lose our enthusiasm. Not today. Y'all came ready to worship Jesus. But even building this church and what we've gone through, through COVID and all these new transitions, as a pastor, it's so easy to look at the natural and lose confidence. I can preach it with a fever and the anointing, but I'm going to go home and I'm going to have the same wringing of my hands, right? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? I'm trusting you by the Spirit. Spiritual discouragement will per persuade someone against an action. Can you see how that has affected the body of Christ? We're so discouraged. What if I pray for them and it doesn't work? Why bother praying for them? Why bother sharing Jesus with them? It, it puts like you in chains from being active for Jesus Christ. And what happens? The devil sneaks up on us, doesn't he? He sneaks up on us. You all have heard this saying before. The devil can't, if the devil can't destroy you, he'll try to discourage you. Isn't that the truth? And it sneaks up into our life and we think, can I keep going? Is it worth it to do what I'm called to do? And the biggest deception is, does it really matter? Which I preached on a couple weeks ago. I believe there's a glimmer of hope that's arising. And as I was studying, even praying last night, going over my message, I immediately was thinking about the cloud the size of a man's hand. 
How many of us have, Jesus, where are you? You promised the rain. You promised the breakthrough. You promised your church would not be defeated. And we keep looking and we're like, I don't see a cloud in sight. I don't see any change. All I see is sunny skies. All I see is the same situation, the same news, the same offense, the same frustration. And Elijah said, go look one more time. God's saying that, go look one more time. Because there is a cloud the size of a man's hand that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is coming to the church of Jesus Christ. And when we didn't see it for all that time, we are seeing it and experiencing it even this morning, right now, in this worship service. Because God has showed this, the cloud, the size. There's hope happening. And what you have to do is hang on to that hope. People have asked me to, before, and I, I used to think, this was years ago before in politics became like the hot topic, years ago, and I think, why do people become politicians? I mean, all they do is get beat up all the time and criticized and ridiculed, doing it right, doing it wrong, and then I stopped and thought, well, geez, that's what happens in ministry too. <laughs> why do we do that? Why are we the punching bag, you know? Why are we always the one that's getting it wrong or whatever? So, you know, how do we overcome that? How do pastors overcome discouragement? How do you get over with fatigue and exhaustion? How do you make it through the battles of self-doubt and spiritual opposition? How do you keep your passion when you've got to stir yourself up every day when you're broken and discouraged and confused and you've lost people and you've lost things and you've lost money? How do we do that? We do it because we're called. And when you're called by God, you're anointed to go through whatever season you're going through. And you have to say, I'm going to take back my calling. I want you to say this today. Say, I'm going to take back my calling. Say it to your neighbor. I'm going to take back my calling. Say it to your second choice on the other side. I stole that from a pastor. Just so you know. So what do we have to do? Paul told Timothy, stir up the gift of God that is in you. It's time to have a stirring up party, everybody. It's time to stir up the Holy Spirit. If you pray in tongues, you better be praying in tongues this week. Stir up the gift of God that's on the inside of you. Awaken the giant. Awaken the power of God. Awaken the anointing of God. Awake the warrior of God on the inside of you. You're a warrior, you're an overcomer, you're victorious. And all you got to do is convince yourself. So open up your mouth. Convince yourself that you are called by God. Question number one is, what am I called to? People wonder, what am I called to? There's three things in Scripture that God shows we are called to. And it may kind of shock you. It's really not your job. We do a job. There are things that God will position you and give you favor. But according to scripture, number one, he calls you to salvation. He brings you to salvation. Luke 5.32 says this, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but what? The sinners, those who know they are sinners and need to repent. The first thing God will do in this awakening, and he's done with all of us, is he calls us to salvation. God calls you to himself and not to a position in the world. He calls you to himself, salvation. He's calling the church in this hour to repentance. And I'm not talking emotional and, and you know, crawling through broken glass. I'm talking about a heart 
that is broken to the Father. That you are troubling my heart, God, for the things that are troubling you. That's what salvation is. That's what repentance is. There's something beautiful when God begins to convict you in your life. And we think it's something evil and he's, you know, hammering down the gavel and he's bringing judgment. But when God convicts me and, and things in my life, I feel the presence of God in my life. So where there is conviction, there is his presence. That's something to rejoice about. We don't ever want to be so passive in our life that we never feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Because that means I have turned my ear so deaf that the Holy Spirit isn't even able to penetrate my heart. And that is a scary place to be. No, conviction is God's in my life. Thank you, God, you're in my life. Thank you that you care enough to want to deal with this situation. Thank you that you want me to forgive. Thank you that you want me to get rid of the things that are pulling my heart and stealing my time away from you. Thank you. When you're under condemnation, it's yourself and it's the enemy. God will never put condemnation on you. That makes you feel like, number one, you can't do it and you're not worthy to do it. But you're worthy in all of your faults. You are still worthy because you've been called by God. So we come into salvation. The second calling that we find is God calls you to sanctification. There is a sanctification part. I believe this is where God is calling the church of Jesus Christ. He says, come as you are. I'm going to draw you to salvation. I'm going to draw you to repentance. Now I'm going to begin to work to change you. There's things in our life that maybe God allowed and he really didn't address it or we were okay getting away with it. But I believe God is calling the church for a set-apart moment. Not where we're trying to get legalistic and try to fulfill the law. And I'm even going to do a teaching of, of sanctification and holiness because there's a big difference. You can never be holy, but you can definitely be set apart by the Lord. And what does that mean? I'm different than the world. I think different than the world. I talk different than the world. It doesn't mean I walk around all pious and you're perfect because we'll never be perfect. But I'm sanctifying myself for God to begin to do the work in me that only he can do. Amen. Amen. It's not your self-righteousness because there is filthy rags. It's his righteousness in your life where he begins to work on us, set us apart for the purpose. We are living in a time in the kingdom if you could just get a spiritual revelation that is going to make history for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. God's going to use the church and the believers and the people of Christ in a special, significant way. If we'll just set ourselves apart and say, Lord, give me ears to hear what your spirit has to say. Give me eyes to see what's really going on in the spirit. Amen. Colossians 3.1 says, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on the things above where Christ is. So easy to be distracted by the world and set our affections here. We did, you know, before COVID, we all had affections. And God just kind of shook it. Now, he didn't allow it, but you know what I mean. There's a shaking. And now we're setting our affection on God. There was a day back in tragedy, they chased the house of God down. And this season, we're away from the house of God because we've been told we had to do that. 
instead of setting our affection on the Father. Amen. And what happens when you become sanctified, when you say, God, my life is yours. I'm going to be willing to do whatever you wanted me to do. I'll be willing to hear the call. I'll be willing to sacrifice whatever it takes. Then he says, I'm going to call you to a service. So salvation is wonderful, and we're going to go to heaven. But then he calls us sanctification. We lose a little people there because who wants to die to our flesh, right? But then after that, and not perfection, but alignment with what God is asking you to do, then he calls you into service. That's where your gifts begin to awaken. And that's where your talents begin to awaken. Why do I need sanctification? Because I know when I'm using my gift, I'm flowing by the Spirit and not my own flesh, not my pride, not my selfish ambitions. It's not about trying to hold people back. It's about getting rid of the garbage so I'm a vessel for God that I don't hurt people or hurt the church of Jesus Christ. So he calls you to a service. He uses his church. Amen. He uses his church in the world. He calls you to himself. He calls you to be transformed. And now he causes you to engage in what he's called you to do. Some of you, it may be a very specific call. I know mine, obviously, is fivefold ministry and pastoral. I'll share in a little bit. I didn't want it. <laughs> and that's the truth. But, and some of you may just have things that are just quietly speaking up in you. Your mother's group. You know, areas that you're social in your communities. It may not be real specific, but it still is a call of God in your life. And you awakening what God has on the inside of you. Colossians 3.17 says this. And whatever you do, whether in word or do, deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do is for Jesus. Wherever I go is for Jesus. If I pray for someone and they get healed, it's for Jesus. You know, even when I kind of had fun about how I felt, I knew that was about Jesus. I didn't walk out there going, you know, I'm somebody special. No, thank God for his grace and being called. Because I don't ever, I don't always feel like I'm anointed to do what Jesus asks me to do. Amen. So whatever you do, however you serve, wherever you are, we do it for Jesus. God is eradicating that spirit in the church where it's about hierarchy. I'm trying to get to a level of, trust me, you'll never get there. I've been doing this for 32 years, full time, and I, I'm not there. God is still working on me. I don't feel extra special. I don't feel like I carry a super Jesus cape, like, ooh, here I am. No. There's no hierarchy in the kingdom. Jesus became the leadest, the servant is the greatest in the kingdom of Jesus. It's not about making your name great. It's not about how many YouTube views you get. It's not how many likes are on your page. If I can win somebody to Jesus when nobody sees me, I won. I don't need any other lag. I just know I need, I changed someone's life. Or I gave them hope. Or I gave them groceries. Or I helped pay the bill. Or whatever it is God puts on my heart. I don't need nobody to know what I did. Don't let the left hand know what your right hand is doing. Everything's so public today. And I just wonder how full will our crowns be when we get to heaven. Amen. It's those things that you do nobody sees. It's the quiet places. It's the time when you woke up at 2 in the morning and you said, yes, Lord, I'll pray. And I don't feel like it. And I got an early morning, but I'll do it. Nobody will ever know you did it, but God knows. Yes. Why? Because I do it for Jesus. Amen. Amen. Question number two, how do I know if I'm ready? <laughs> Does anybody feel that way? How do I know if I'm ready? I don't know enough. 
right? I'm not good enough. I don't feel ready. It's easy to feel the call to salvation because we feel the draw of the Spirit. And we know our sins are forgiven. But it's that call to service that we wonder, am I ready to do what God's called me to do? I mean, especially with questions today, like if somebody was to ask me about, was there dinosaurs earlier on the world? I mean, people ask those kind of things. You know, is it the end times? What stage of the end times we're in? And it's all these things that we wonder, will I have the answers? And Jesus actually said, knowledge puffs up. And really the assignment is to share Jesus. Say, I may not know about dinosaurs, but I do know a man named Jesus who laid his life down on that cross. And he loves you with an everlasting love. Hey, one day we'll find out about dinosaurs, but right now let's make sure you get to heaven to find out. Amen. I don't know how it all. I don't have all the answers. I still get mad on the highway. I shouldn't have faith builder stickers on my car. I really shouldn't. Quinn can attest. Good thing I don't carry in my car. I mean, seriously, I would have probably a brawl many, many times over. I still lose, I lose my cool. I get in the flesh sometimes. But that doesn't mean I'm not called by God. You'll never be ready. You'll never know enough. Just get out there and do it. Take a leap of faith. You'll be shocked what God will speak through you. I remember the first time I went to pray for someone, I'm like, oh, God, I'm not even going to know what to say. I don't, even, I don't even have, now how many know I don't lack words? You know me long enough. I, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just, oh, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I laid hands on them. I was shocked, the word of God that came out of me. I was shocked. I'm like, and I'm praying in the spirit. I'm going, dang, I didn't even know I knew that scripture verse. Why? Because your flesh is still there. You're allowing the spirit to move through you. That's what it's all about. You don't have to get it right or get it perfect. Look at all the people in the Bible. John the Baptist was a mess up. Peter mess up. While Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was a mess up. God doesn't care, right? He's called you. There's something inside of you and you don't have to wait as long as you have Jesus and as long as you set your part aside to say, set yourself apart to say, God, here I am. I'm not perfect, but I'm willing. Then God will begin to engage you and it will be the greatest joy of your life. God uses the untrained he uses the unqualified. He uses the unprepared. He uses nobodies. And God made that pretty clear when he used a donkey in the word of God. God will use anybody that will be available. He said the rocks will cry out if you don't. You think God is limited? But I want my portion. Amen. You know the saying, God doesn't call the prepared. He, God prepares the called. And this is what I've learned in ministry. You usually feel the most vulnerable when you are the least ready. Every time God has called me in my life, I did not want it, number one. And that's when I went into ministry at 20 years old. I did not want to, at 20 years old, step away and go into full-time ministry. I didn't want it. I didn't feel ready. But God calls and he moves us over and over in my life. He called me to be a youth pastor. You know my story. I did not want a youth pastor, both times. But God called me. Because he knew I could do what he's called me to do. Now, when I took over the church four years ago, I did not want to do that either. I love you all, and I love the local church. I just didn't want to do it. I wanted God to pick him like, are you sure, God? <laughs> Somebody was standing closer to me. Are you sure he didn't mean them? Because when you step out by faith and do what God's asking you to do, you feel vulnerable. And you feel insecure. And you feel like, how in the world would God choose me? 
And you know what? You're right where you need to be. Because God will flow genuinely for peop through people with that heart because it's, you know it's not about you. And you're not trying to get a gold star. And you're not trying to be famous and have a lot of people follow you. You're just being a conduit for the blessing of God. Amen. Coming into Jesus, there's a service. When you are sanctified by God, listen, serving is not an option. There is something that comes up inside of you that says, I am called more than just attending service. There's something inside of you that when you get set apart by God, there's this inclination that goes, I've got to do something for Jesus. Whether it's ushering or greeting, taking care of the precious babies, media, parking lot, whatever it is, something should awaken that says, I have a purpose in this moment that I'm a part of the body of Christ. There's something that compels you, amen. When I came into Jesus, I immediately went into servanthood at 17 year old, finding that place. I'll tell you, when God called me into ministry, I remember when I was, oh gosh, I was just graduating from high school. I was not like walking with the Lord. And uh, all my friends were, we were all graduating. And I asked them, I said, oh, well, what are you going to do after graduation? And all my friends say, oh, we're going to Bible college. And I'm like, oh, really? Why? <laughs> like, Why would you go to Bible college? And they said, oh, we want to meet pastors and we want to be pastor's wives. And I remember saying, like, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. <laughs> no, seriously. I literally said, that is dumb. Like, you go to Bible college to find a man to be a pastor's wife? That was so weird to me. Little did I know, a few years later, God was going to capture my heart, right? So you never know when God's going to call you. At 20 years old, when I went into the ministry for the first year, I didn't take a salary. 20 years old, no money. Girls, you can relate. There's no mani-pedis. There's no buying gifts for my friends, which I love to do. I am a gift giver. I love it. Uh, and God just said, no, you're going to trust me and you're going to serve me. And you know, we never told, you didn't even know that, did you? You know, because you know my story. Our pastors never knew. Our teams never knew. Nobody knew that I walked in that church for eight hours every day. I was telling my friends here, the Bingles. By the way, I, I have friends here today, Lonnie and Kim Bingle. If you could just welcome them. They'll be coming and going, and I'm, I think, and, and you'll get to know them. But they're wonderful men and women of God. I'm so honored they're here today. But I remember when uh, my dad birthed his church, and I had, uh, my dad says, you're going to be, everybody knows Bishop, so you're going to be there and answer that phone, 8 430. Well, we're a baby church, you know, like who called, what's going on, you know, we're just a baby church. And so I said, well, if I have to be here, I called the telephone guy, and I said, put a very long extension cord on that phone, and we're going to put it in that sanctuary. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to walk and pray. And you know what? God's going to take care of me. God's going to watch over me. I'm going to take care of his church, and he's going to take care of me. I'm 20 years old. I promise you, and I don't know who it was, but somebody, people would put money envelopes under my keyboard, and I would find money. People would take me shopping. I never told my story. I never told my story, but God supernaturally showed me his hand when we're called and we step out by faith and we put him first. He shows up supernaturally. And I remember getting that first envelope like, God, you're so cool. Amen. It was like, God, you saw me. You thought of me. Nobody knew. And you had, one lady even took me to get my nails done and got me a bathing suit. I'm like, that's everything to me right now. 20 years old, that was everything to me. 
But God will call us to do things, but he'll take care of us in the meantime. So when I said all that to say this. When God calls us, there's not the glitter. When I was called at 20 years old to be a youth pastor, there wasn't websites and social media. There was no big names. There was no influencers. I wasn't promised a big podcast. I wasn't promised a huge platform. No, God called me to reach teenagers in a cornfield in Beloit, Wisconsin. I'll tell you this story. Christina Kane. At the same time that I was the first female youth pastor, back in, you know, way back, she was the youth pastor for Hillsong's church. I didn't know that until many, many years later until we found out the information. Here was these two girls on separate continents raising up a generation of young people as females. Unheard of. Wasn't supposed to be chosen. Wasn't supposed to be speaking in the church. But God used two girls. Listen, with no promise of fame or popularity or pats on the back or you're doing a good job. No, it's like that teenager's life was changed. They gave up drugs. They won their friends to Jesus. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And that was in Beloit, Wisconsin. But God's calling you to. we got to lose this mentality that I need all of this to do that for Jesus. Because if you want that, I promise you, you won't get it. There's a small group of people that get that for whatever reason. And it's fine and it's wonderful because they have influence. But that's not the church. We do it for no likes. Amen? Two qualities of your calling really quick. Your calling costs you something. <laughs> it does cost you. I'll be honest. It costs you time. Cost your resources, cost your availability, and whatever the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. When God called Saul in the moment of him killing Christians, right, when God called him, he sent a man, Ananias, to speak into his life. And, and Paul got touched by God, he got blinded, but Ananias did not come with the promise, if you do this for God, you're going to get this. He gave him no highlight of things going great, right? So let's look at the scripture in Acts 9, 15 through 16. It says this, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their king and to the people of Israel. Look at this. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Who wants the other side of sacrifice? Nobody wants to hear, I want to hear, if I do this, I'll be blessed. If I do this, I'll be favored. You probably will, but that's not what God is speaking. There's a cost to the call of God. That word, that suffer is not sickness. It's not disease. That's not the hand of God. But that word suffer means you're going to feel things in my name. I will show you things that you're going to feel things in my name. And it also means you're going to have a passion on the inside of you. And that means when God wakes your passion, it's going to drive you nuts. It's going to drive you nuts. Because when God awakens something on the inside of you, you are restless until you begin to do what God is awakening on the inside of you. That's what it means you're going to suffer. It means you're going to walk and pray sometimes over that situation. If it's a family member that needs to come to Jesus, you may need to fast a little bit. You may need to cry out to the Lord. There is a cost to following this sacrifice to Jesus. But how many know it's worth it? It's worth it. The moment you step into your calling is the moment you step out of your comfort zone. And God will always use your, God will use your deepest pain to launch your greatest calling. Your greatest voice will come out of your pain. 
this season that Faith Builders is coming into is going to be a season of my voice that has not been heard yet. Why? Because we've gone through the greatest pain. There's something that was squeezed in me in this season that no man could do, and only God can awaken. I had a vision when I was 17 years old, too long to go into, but I went into heaven, and I saw the throne room of God. That's all I got to see was the, the hills, and I said to myself, God lives out there. <laughs> I couldn't see it, but it was way out there. Actually, I didn't get to go into heaven. I stood inside the gymnasium, but the doors open. I saw into heaven. And as soon as I knew that was the throne room of God, my jaws, like a cartoon, this is no joke, opened up really wide, like they unhinged, you know, and my mouth opened really big. And the Lord said, I put a word in your mouth. And a ray from God's throne room, this is no joke, came, that's all I saw of God, this ray came out of his throne room and went deep into my spirit. And it was just like I was swallowing God's word, swallowing God's word. And in all, I, I was 16 or 17 when that happened. And now I'm 52 years old, and the Lord is saying, this is the time for that word of God. This is the time for the word of God to be proclaimed, the powerful, life-giving, changing word of God. And it's not just for me. I'm going to set you on fire for God. I'm going to ignite the passion of God in you, the call of God in you, right? Because that is what God has called me to do. It's not easy to do the things God's called you to do. You may be rejected. I remember in Beloit, Wisconsin, I wish I could be this bold again, and I'm asking the Lord to make me this bold again, but our city official that ran our city, I forget his name in Beloit, he was diagnosed with cancer. I had worked for the city prior to the church, and I got word of it, and I told my dad, I was, well, I was 22, and I just said, Dad, I got to go pray for him. I got to go pray for him so he can be healed. He was dying of brain cancer. And my parents prayed over me, and I think a couple of the team members prayed over me. And my dad said, you're going to go, but you're going to be met with resistance. And I'm like, nah, probably not. <laughs> you know how that is. I want to go with him to Jesus. But, you know, I'm 20 years old. I walked up to that door alone, knocked on that door, and met his wife. And I said, I heard that your husband has cancer, and I really want to, if you don't mind, come in and let me pray for him. And she goes, just a minute. She shut the door and came back, and she said, he said, no, he's not interested. And I remember that long walk from that doorway. And I sat in my, my car, and I wept, and I cried. And it, following God does have resistance. You don't always have the win, you know, but you plant the seed, and you water, and you're obedient. And who knows, maybe by me just showing up, something God did in his heart, and maybe God sent somebody else a second and third time. I don't know. I just knew I had to be obedient. So we have to be willing. Rejection is inevitable. Not everybody's going to like what you have to say if it's done in love and all of that, right? We're talking about maturity. So serving Jesus is a gift and it's a grind. Living your calling is a thrill and a burden. Ministry is exhilarating and it's exhausting. But how do we get through it? Because I'm called. The biggest enemy of my calling, you can come on up, Alex. The biggest enemy of my calling is comfort. The biggest enemy of your calling is being comfortable. Never sacrifice your calling at the altar of comfort. So good, isn't it? Your calling sustains you. It gets you through. How did Paul finish the race? Was it because he was competent? We've heard the end of his story. <laughs> Paul finished his race because he was called. 
He said, forgetting those things which are behind me. Church, forget those things that are behind you. Forget it. Forget what we've gone through. Forget what we've lost. Forget what emotional tragedy that happened in our soul. Let it go. Amen. You're called. Your calling will give you hope. Your calling will shine a light of Jesus to people. Your calling has the answer for people. When someone is far away from God, you can bring them back to God again. I'll close with this scripture verse. Paul said this, and we all know it. And he finished his race, and he did his calling. But he said, we were hard-pressed on every side. But I'm not crushed. Devil tried hard. But guess what? We're coming out stronger. I hope he gave it his best because we are rising. It's over. My friends gave me a word. Didn't even know. I remember the angel, Matthias is drawing for me. But the angel, God says, enough. The church is going to arise. My friends prophesied that same thing. We're hard pressed, but we are not crushed. Matter of fact, we're going to come out a diamond because diamonds are made in the crushing. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not abandoned. I'm struck down, but I am not destroyed. Hallelujah. God has your back. Amen. But we have to take our calling back. Take it back. Get your prophecies out. Get your word from God. I don't care if it's been a year or 50 years. Get it out. <laughs> Awaken the gift of God in you. Say, Lord, whatever you want, whatever you want to do in and through me, I will do it. Because I'm called and I'm anointed in my calling. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, I thank you today for this awesome church, God. I thank you that you are moving and stirring and there's an undercurrent of your will, an undercurrent of a movement, Lord God, that cannot be stopped. Once the waters start moving, they are a vengeance. They cannot be stopped. Nothing can hinder this move of God. And I thank you, Lord, that you're awakening us, you're quickening us, and you're moving us, Father God, by your Spirit. And I want to give everyone the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of your life. And maybe you're here today and you've just been away from the Lord. That's okay. We've all been there. We've all stumbled and fall. We came back. Maybe some of you just need to reconnect to Jesus. You just let the cares of the world take too much. And you're going to say yes to Jesus today. And everything that you feel imperfect and invaluable in, Jesus is worth it all. Listen, you don't have to figure it all out. Just come to Jesus. Remember, our first calling is to salvation. Let God work the rest out. So I want everyone praying with me. Repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart, my life, and be my salvation. And I receive that today. With all eyes closed. If you said that prayer, first time or coming back to Jesus, just quickly acknowledge before the Lord. I'm not going to call you out, but just raise your hand and say, yes, Lord, I'm committed. Yes, thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. All over this room, thank you for that hand. 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 This is a rejoicing moment that people are coming back to Jesus. You can look at me. Listen, all heaven stopped right now and angels celebrated because you gave your life to Jesus. There's a party with the Lord. Uh, Mike Fox, did you want to share something? Or do you want to you share what's... You can wait. Okay, great.
All right, awesome. Well, I love you all so much. Don't forget to stick around, enjoy the party, and I want to pass it on to Pastor Paul. All right.